Special treat today, bringing us the word, is the one and only Tom Stammen, all the way from Minnesota. And uh, he has orphanages in different countries in the world. He's based primarily in Honduras and Minnesota. So Tom, come right on and bring us the word, brother. God is good. Let's try it again. God is good. And all the time. And the devil's bad. And all the time. And he's bad the bone. Amen. It's going to be down here in 90 degree weather. It's awesome. It snowed just two weeks ago in Minnesota. So we're praying for, we're praying for global warming. It's not working. It was so cold two weeks ago, there's a guy that robbed a bank in Minneapolis, and the police officer said, freeze! And he did. Right there. It's good to be here. Turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 36. Isaiah 36. How many here have ever had a bad day? Raise your hand. How about a bad month? How about a bad year? Keep your hand up. How about a bad life? Okay. Usually one in every church. And um, I'm going to talk about disasters and handling disasters. I'm going to start with Isaiah 36. And my hero today is a man named Hezekiah and chapter 36 of Isaiah. This story is so important, it's mentioned in the Bible three times, Second Kings, Second Chronicles, and Isaiah. It's an important story. It says this, 36 verse 1, Now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. There are times the devil comes to rob, to destroy, and to kill your life. How many know what I'm talking about? Have you ever hit bottom and somebody throws you a shovel? Have you ever said it's not going to get any worse, and it does? There's disasters that happen. How do you handle those disasters? Pre-warned is pre-armed. And God wants us to be prepared to fight those battles. Amen. Because we're in battles. There's a lot of spiritual battles in this country. And God gives us ideas and strategies to fight those battles. Let me give you an example. About two years ago, uh, the government of Honduras came in and began to divide our kids up between the boys and the girls and began to put price tags on the children. This little boy is worth $10,000. This little girl is 12,000 euro. This little girl is 8,000 Canadian. And they wanted to sell our children into adoption. Do you know what it's like to fight the government? It's like playing against the referees. Challenging. And we brought in the UN and brought in human rights and we fought the government and we won and we kept our kids and they walked out and two years later they shut down that agency of the government because it was corrupt. There are battles out there, amen. And we've got to fight these battles. And God's given us weapons and He's given us Bible verses to come against the enemy. Now you might not have something that serious. But how many have ever had a health problem? Right? How many here have ever had something devastating to your children? How many parents here have children? It's very deep. Okay. And things happen sometimes. What do you do when bad things happen? Get ready to take notes. Take out your cell phone or iPad or Kindle, neighbor's shirt, whatever you got. Write these things down. Chapter 37 tells us what Hezekiah did to fight that battle. And it says, and so it was. When Hezekiah heard it, that he tore his clothes. How many here get emotional once in a while? Say, uh-huh. Now, there are certain people that hide their emotions in. And, and you can do that for so long. But if you don't get rid of those emotions, you can implode and explode. In those days, the way they got rid of that emotional stress is they ripped their clothes. 
to me, that's an expensive way to release your emotions. I think there's a cheaper way of doing it. So I want to encourage you, when you have a disaster, how do you respond to that disaster? It's normal to be emotional. Is that not true? God is emotional. So how do you respond to that? You can't just ignore it and hope it goes away. They tore their clothes. Maybe what you can do is, for me, I go lift weights and I set records working out when I'm stressed. Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's, um, you know, watching a, a funny movie. Maybe it's sharing with friends. But it's important to release that emotion that's, that's happening in your life. Otherwise, it can destroy the insides. What do you do? What's your response when disasters happen? Because how many know disasters do happen? What are you going to do? Yesterday, I met with a friend of mine, and he's a prophet from Nigeria. He's describing the horrors of what happened with Boko Haram coming in and stealing hundreds and hundreds of kids and killing pastors and killing church members all across northern Nigeria. And so what we're doing is we're planning on buying land. We've got a piece of property, 80 acres. We're going to build an orphanage for the children whose parents were martyred by this evil, evil Islamic group. We know when we do that, there's going to be a lot of spiritual warfare. What do you think? We know that ahead of time. And so getting into that is dangerous, number one. But number two, we know that if God be for us, who can be against us? And the devil will fight his church, the church of God. The devil will fight you. And things get emotional. What is your outlet in Jesus' name? Point number two. What did he do? He covered himself with sackcloth. When disasters happen to me, they seem to happen quite often, I always go to God and say, is there anything I've done to open the door to the devil? Is there anything I need to repent of? Is there anything I've done wrong? How many here aren't quite perfect yet? Say amen. How many are sitting next to someone that's not perfect either? Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Okay. And so he covered himself with, with, with uh, ashes and, and, and wore sackcloth as a sign. God, we repent. God, forgive us. If there's any open door, God, close that door. If there's sins that need to be forgiven, forgive those sins. Because sometimes there's things we do wrong and we don't know we're doing things wrong. There's other times we do things wrong and we know what we're doing. The other day I went through a stop sign and the police officer said, did you not see the stop sign? I said, well, Yes, officer. Why didn't you stop? I said, I didn't see you. So I knew I was probably doing something a little bit wrong there, okay? But there's other blind spots we have that we might not know we have them, but that opens the door to the enemy. It's essential we keep ourselves clean by the blood of Jesus. Amen. When you get saved, God washes your sins away. But how many here have made mistakes since you sinned? Absolutely. So, God, wash those sins away. Break those generational curses. God, let your grace cover me during times of disaster. Now, as I preach, I stop in the middle and I pray for people. And so I'm going to do that. don't have a lot of time this morning. I'm looking for the clock. There it is. So I want this young lady to stand up. And uh, she's got the cool hair. And uh, I want some people to come stand by her. I'm going to give a quick little word from God for her. If you're too far away, stretch forth your hands. Let's pray for her. But a couple ladies put a hand on her. Father God, we thank you for her to write psalms and new songs to the glory of God. Even one day, teaching kids how to dance. 
Yeah, this woman, yeah, she can sing, but she can even do more than that. Yeah, let her whole being be a praise machine in Jesus' name. i got to pray, even in the secular world, let people see the love of Jesus in her. Let her be an influencer. Let her be persuasive to the glory of God. Yeah, you're going to want to get tattoos. I think it's a waste of money. But anyway, <laughs> I'd skip that if I were you. But, but the, sorry about that. I know you've been thinking about it, haven't you? <laughs> so anyways, but the point... What's, but the point is, Lord, we want her to bring people to Jesus. Rather than just see what she looks like on the outside, God, the most beautiful thing in her is her inside, the love of Jesus that flows through her. Let her work with young people. Let her even learn how to play instruments to the glory of God. Give her pay raises so she can go on a mission trip and help kids. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give her a hand. Amen. How many believe that one word can change your life forever? Now, I do have to slow down a little bit. I do talk fast. I'm from Minnesota. If you don't talk fast, you freeze to death. So the other day, Pastor Allen, I was studying a Frisbee. And it got bigger and bigger. And then it hit me. But anyways, um, thank you. That was a good one. And the next thing he did, which is so essential, so essential. By the way, I, I believe in looking up to your parents. He used to look up to my dad a lot. He was a roofer. But anyways, the third thing is we need to go into the house of the Lord. Now, how many women have ever met a man that when he's going through a hard time, where does the man go? You know that. The man goes into the man cave. And the wife will say, what's going on? Nothing. So what happened today? Nothing. And a woman is a Christian archaeologist. She's called of God to dig into that man looking for the real problem and what really happened. And she will keep on you until you confess whatever's going on. How many men know what I'm talking about? Right. Behind every successful man is a surprise mother-in-law. But anyways... Trying to be focused here. And what people do when they go through disasters, they quit going to church. When people make mistakes or even sin, they quit going to church. Friends, that's the first place you should go. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Is that not true? Even after you're saved. I guarantee if you make a mistake, Pastor Allen's not going to say, don't come to our church until you get it together. When you have disasters in your life, you don't avoid God's people. Yes, you can pray at home, but I'm telling you, there's, very, there's a lot of biblical evidence of going to the house of God. God hears prayers in the house of God. And you need to go. There's something about that commitment of going to the house of God and crying out to Him. Don't, you, as a Christian, you don't have to suffer by yourself. God invented the church of Jesus Christ to go to as a place of refuge. Is that not true? Are you willing to go there or humble yourself or cry out for help? When I get slammed, I go to the house of God. God, hear my prayers because God has a great destiny for every one of us. But the devil's going to try to stop that. But he cannot succeed when the house of God. I'm going to pray for that man there in the black shirt back there. Why don't you? Yeah, you see that? Yeah, you're the one. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, dude. 
I think it's black. Is it black? Yeah, it's black. Would you all stretch forth your hands? A couple guys want to put a hand on them. I'm going to say this right now, Pastor Allen. One of the reasons I'm here today this morning is to call you out. The devil's been fighting you, coming against you, trying to slaughter you. And it took a lot of Christianity, it took a lot of uh, strength to come here this morning. And I pray when he walks out of here for supernatural hope. I pray for a strategy and a plan to overcome those weapons. The devil's coming against him in Jesus' name. That God, you would take any, any bit of hopelessness and put faith in his life in Jesus' name and wisdom. You cannot fight this stuff alone. We don't want you to fight it alone. You're part of the team in Jesus' name. The leadership skills he has is incredible. And the devil is going to try to destroy you before you barely even start your ministry. So use him in your kingdom, Jesus. Let him not fight alone. There's men of God who would love to stand with him, pray with him, encourage him, and build him up in Jesus' name. The worst is over, and the best is yet to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Was that good? God told me, i got just a limited time this morning. Stop the service. He's got a destiny, and the devil's trying to kill him, and it shall not happen. Give the Lord a hand in Jesus' name. Amen. And I know there's going to be three or four men. He's not going to walk out of this sanctuary without some guy saying, let's get together. Let's talk. Amen? How many guys can say amen? Amen? Proud of you for coming, brother. Amen. Next key is this. Then he sent Eliakim, was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests. It's essential when you're going through disasters to call up elders, to call up men of God, to call up women of God. My son's an attorney. He passed two bar exams by the time he was 25. I passed one too, but I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> Anyways. And so, and, and we went, we, it seems like every three to six months we go through disasters. Just unbelievably horrible, hard things. When you build a city, the devil fights it. There's a territorial demonic spirits that fight that. When you're in the nations, the, the demon powers of the nations come against you. And there's disasters that happen, and my son will say, don't tell anybody. Just keep it quiet. I can't do that. I've got to share with people. And even if some might roll their eyes or wonder what's going on, because I need the body of Christ. We need one another. Jesus said, if two or three agree, touching anything, it shall be done. In the Old Testament, when there were disasters, they called a solemn assembly. They called a prayer meeting. When Peter was put in jail for preaching the gospel, they had a prayer meeting. And he actually got out of jail and showed up, and they shut the door on him like, that must be his angel. They were shocked that God answered prayer, but they got together and prayed. Acts chapter 2, they got together, and they cried out to God, and he sent the Holy Spirit. How many can say hallelujah? And God wants to do that today. He doesn't want you to hold your cards in. He wants you to share with people. Now, don't share with everybody. Don't share with dream stealers. Don't share with smoky bears who want to put out your forest fire. You share with the elders. You share with people that are spiritual. You share with people that are godly. You share with people that want to stand with you. Does that make sense to anybody? If you've got a sickness, you don't go to the doctor without people praying for you. Call up the elders of the church. Pray for me. James says that, but not us. Why well, don't want to bother anybody. It seems the more spiritual people are, the less they, less they ask for help. 
people say to me, why do you call people out of the audience? Because the ones that usually need the prayer don't come forward during the altar call. That's why I call out the people. Because the, the devil's trying to pull them away. Just like this man here. Trying to cause disasters. Trying to ruin your life. And, I, and God said, call them out. Because he's got destiny. So I want to encourage you. When those things happen, you're not bothering the church if you call for prayer. Amen. I know the pastor's not going to say, would you quit calling us for prayer? What do you think this is, a church or something? Can't hear you. And I believe that this church is going to be a house of prayer of all nations. How many can say amen? I'm believing one day you can have like your own IHOP little area where people have codes and they come in with cameras in case somebody weird comes in. And they have open to prayer at any time. I'm believing that. Because the churches of America, not Africa, not South America, not Asia, of, of, of Europe and America, have backed away from prayer. We talk about it. We write books on it. We have conferences on it. We do everything but do it. But we need God's help in these days. How many can say amen? When we go into Nigeria, when we go into areas where it could cost us our life, do you think I'm going to ask for prayer? You don't even have to pray about that answer. The answer is yes. We need prayer. We need each other. We need the team. We need the elders. Amen. When you have a problem, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. Holy Ghostbusters. Amen. Now this man here to save time, why don't you stand up, sir? Stand up here. And a couple of people put a hand on him. And I'm believing Pastor Allen for this man to be one of the great leaders of the, of the church. I pray for this man to be a man, to be an... Whether you have the title elder or not, that's irrelevant. God, let him be that man of prayer. Be that man that connects with you. The devil, now, this man is a marked man because there's an anointing on him, Father, and the devil knows that. But God, I pray that he'll be deeper in the Word. He'll be stronger in God. God, I pray even in the, in the workplace, in the marketplace, that he'll do the work of an evangelist. Let him not go a week or a month without inviting somebody to church. Use him, Father, to influence people for the gospel. Send him, Father, to the nations to share his testimony and to begin to preach and pray for people with authority. Let him take notes because one day he's going to be preaching these sermons in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You are taking up your cross daily and you're following Jesus, and that's exciting. Give the Lord a hand. Amen and amen. <laughs> pastor Allen is not really just a pastor. Pastor Allen is apostolic. And there's a day coming, you watch, people from the nations are going to come to your church. People he's met on mission trips are going to want to move here to be trained. I pray one day you guys are going to have a Bible school training center here. People come here and get trained and equipped. It doesn't have to mean you doing all the teaching and preaching. You know, you got other people you can take. There's videos. But people will be trained here. I see having like a little building for people to live. Apartments to be trained and equipped, and you ship them back to the nations. How many can say amen? Amen. That gets me excited, Pastor. Amen. You need to be on TV, too. But let's go. keep going. Good job, Shake and Bake. I haven't seen you for a year or two. Can you give them a hand for the good worship there? Amen. And then he contacted Isaiah the prophet. And you can be a prophet in a non-profit organization. Now, one thing unique about this church is they allow people to be prophetic. If you want to have a ministry where people do not have you come in, be a prophet. Most churches rather have someone that comes from a certain type of lifestyle 
LTG, I don't know what letters those are, but then have somebody that's prophetic come in. But the Bible says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophesying. One prophetic word can change your destiny. How many can say amen? And and I encourage you, have prophetic people around you. Have people that hear the voice of God. They can give you instruction, give you direction, give you encouragement, and break the demonic forces coming against you. There's power in the prophetic. But understand this. The Bible says we prophesy in part and we know in part. No prophet knows it all. Even Jesus said, I don't know when I'm coming back. Only the Father knows that. Even Jesus said, how long has this little boy been put in the fire? As God, he knew everything. But as the man, Jesus, he didn't know everything, even though he was a prophet. Prophets don't know everything. We prophesy in part. We know in part. We see through a glass darkly. However, there's power in the prophetic. How many here would agree? What I've seen happening is that the church goes this way and this way. Back in the 90s, the church was spiritual gifts and the power of God and tongues and signs, wonders, and miracles. Then it shifted to um, seeker-sensitive. Don't offend anybody. Don't preach against nothing. Don't have the Holy Spirit move. But, guess what? Say it again. It's coming back. Before, it was only little churches and little meetings seemed to want the prophetic. And now, in three months, we booked five churches of 800 to 2,000 people. That's never happened in my ministry in 30 years. All of a sudden, it's bigger churches are saying, like, we need the prophetic word. Things are happening in America that are not good. How many would agree? Thank God we got Texas. Hey, I am preaching it. If I had more meetings down here, I'd move to Texas, okay. But somebody's got to have compassion on the north. Frozen chosen. Right? And so so it's shifting back to the prophetic. Amen. Surround yourselves with prophetic people. I got slammed about two weeks ago. And I called up a prophet. I said, "I, I I just need you to tell me what you see. He said, I see somebody coming against you. They're lying. They're, God's in, they're, they're your enemy, and God's going to take them out. And you know what? That person, after two weeks, said, you know what? I'm backing off. Um, I'm going to go forward and whatever, whatever. And the prophetic word came to pass. But in that two-week period, it was stressful. It was hard. It was difficult. We were praying. I was calling up people for, for help. But that one prophetic word gave me hope because he had no idea what's going on. And it came to pass. Who are the prophetic people in your life? I believe that Generations Church is going to raise up a generation of prophetic people, and it perhaps may start with the children teaching them how to prophesy. How many parents here have ever got a word from your kids? Raise your hand like, wow, where did you come up with that? Amen? Listen to the children. Amen. I'm looking forward to the day that Generations Church is going to have a children's worship team. Amen. With dancing and serving God. How many are excited about that? Say amen. Amen. Okay. Next key. Verse number six. And Isaiah said to them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard. 
two more things. We'll quit here. We've got four minutes. Number one, when people come against you and threaten you, I've had death threats for many years. The first prophecy I ever got was, I'd be a martyr. I'm not claiming it. I was hoping to God it's not Pee Wee Ahmed Herman with an unsharp sword. Er, 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 trying to get ahead in life. Shake and bake. Be encouraging. You're going to reap what you sow. But anyways, um, I heard your jokes aren't that good. But anyways, when I was a kid, I was so, so poor I couldn't pay attention. But anyways, um, you can't be afraid of those words. Threats come. You ever get a letter from the IRS? It's always Friday night when you can't call them. In fact, now you call me and never answer the phone for three hours. IRS, IR Satan. You can't walk in fear. The devil loves fear because fear is the opposite of faith. So you've got to fight back in Jesus' name. I began to quote Psalms 91 in the last two weeks. And wow, the power of Psalms. I quote it every, quote, I read it every day and speak it out. Because the Word of God, when you speak it out, it fights fear. Amen. What are you afraid of? Find scriptures and pound on that fear. How many can say in Jesus' name? Finally, last little thing here. Surely I'll send a spirit upon him. He shall hear a rumor and return to his own land. And I'll cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. There's a person that came against us, came against us, came against us. He's made my life purgatory. I said, God, let him have problems in his own life to back off from me. And two days later, he had a major disaster in his family, which I'm not glad about, but he backed off because he had his own problems. And the devil will come against you, and people will come against you. But you pray, God, let them have their own problems and leave this child of God alone. And I prayed that prayer, and a disaster happened, and he backed off. We are in warfare. How many know what I'm talking about? And it's not going to get any easier. But we're going to get stronger. Write this down, last statement. Don't ask for an easier life. Ask for bigger muscles. Amen? All right, let me pray for one person. Uh, PowerPoint guy, get ready. The guy in the purple shirt, why don't you stand up here? Amen, don't you hate that? And uh, <laughs> come, people, come stand by him. Let's pray for him. God, I pray for this man. The destiny has incredible. God, I'm not trying to call him out and pick on him. Oh, great, here we go again. But God, I pray, as much is given, much is required. He's got a great personality. He is likable. Even when he doesn't want to be likable, he still is likable. So God, I pray that you use him to build your kingdom in Jesus' name. I pray for the destiny you had from before the world even began. They begin to see that even clearer. Retirement, sorry, out of the question. God, he's going to work for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Let every breath that he has be used to serve you. That all the energy he has in every cell will say, here am I, God use me. So encourage him this day and strengthen him and put fresh fire in his heart. Let the word of God come alive like fresh manna in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome. Is that good? That'll work. Give him a hand. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I want you to just for real quick, bow your head, shut your eyes. I want to ask you a question. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Jesus doesn't want anybody here to go to hell. Jesus wants everybody to go to heaven. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus today. Maybe you fell away from God, but this morning you're going to come back to Jesus. If you need to do that, raise your hand on the count of three. 
If you need to come back to God, raise your hand on the count of three. Don't go to hell. Go to heaven. Jesus wants to save us. If you need to give your life to Jesus, raise your hand on the count of three. Are you ready? As high as you can. One, two, three. Raise your hand to give your life to Jesus if you need to. Amen. One person. Very good. All right, everybody put your hand on your heart. Thank you. Everybody say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. You are Lord. You rose from the dead. And I will serve you every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Let's give that person a hand. Amen and amen and amen. Okay, PowerPoint. Go ahead and tap it. I'm just going to walk through this quick. Um, Impact Ministries International is, we talk a lot about Honduras because it's so close. But actually, our ministers, we're in 55 nations next. One big emphasis with IMI is agriculture next. Our first farm we started was in Uganda. We have a banana tree plantation and orange trees next. We also raise hogs and we also raise cattle next. We also raise corn down there and there's a kernel of truth next. In Liberia, where pastor is from, we now have a rubber tree plantation. Rubber comes from trees. Next. In Honduras, a year ago we had no cows. Now we have 25. We're moving ahead. Next. We now have this, this old 1,750 fruit trees, all irrigated. We now run chickens and, and turkeys with free-range uh, farming. Next. We raise all our own corn and beans. Now, next. We have now, next, five tilapia ponds. Some of them are almost as big as a sanctuary. Next. We raise our own fish. We had ten baby pigs two weeks ago. Our goal is to have a thousand of them. Next. We have 80 sheep and goats. It's not a bad idea. Next. We have our own tractor barn. Next. And we built a chicken barn, too. John Deere gave us a corn sheller and donated it. I'm speaking for John Deere in two weeks. Next. Here's our Juan Deere tractor. Next. Education. We have a school in Uganda. Next. About 25 kids. Next. In Bangladesh, our school runs over 100 kids, some from Muslim backgrounds. Next. In Liberia, where pastor's from, we had a school given to me, 100 students. Next. Our orphanage there has 30 students. Next. In Honduras, our school went from 60 kids to 120 in one month in February. We had to build two new classrooms. Next. And bathrooms. Next. We also have computers down there. A casino donated 20 computers. I took a gamble and decided to take them. Next. And so it's all air-conditioned. Next. Two little girls we got when they were three months old. They're now in kindergarten. We have four sets of twins. Next. Orphanages. Next. We built a girls' orphanage just before the Ebola breakout happened. We rescued nine new kids uh, two months ago. We now have 36 kids in that orphanage. Next. We have two orphanages in India. Next. Next. Guess who picked the colors on the girls' orphanage in Honduras? Not me. No. You did. Right there. That girl picked them right there. <laughs> Sorry. Next. Uh, we have a boys' dormitories. Next. We're remodeling them. This is our brand-new multi-purpose building. Next. We have our own recreational center for the kids to play so they don't wreck the games, okay, because <laughs> they play a lot. Um, we also have a workout gym. We also have a wrestling room. And we have a music room. And we have a room for kids to learn how to sew. And we're providing jobs. We're buying the equipment to buy, provide jobs. People say, that's a sweat factory. No, we have air conditioning. Next. 
we've dug next. The number one cause of death in the world, other than not breathing, is uh, bad water. We've dug 31 water wells next in eight countries. Next. Feeding the poor next. Jesus said, I was hungry and you thought about it. No, we feed kids in Uganda, about 25. Next. Next. In Guatemala, we feed between 400 and 600 kids a month. Next. In the Philippines, 8,000 kids a month. Even Pope Francis came to visit one of the feeding centers. Next. Next. A lot of poor kids in that country. Next. In the garbage dumps. Next. In Honduras, we not only feed 2,000 kids a month, we raise all our own corn uh, in, our, in our farm that we have. Next. Honduras, second poorest country this side of the earth next to Haiti. So, next. Some people wonder, where's our money going? One of the biggest scams there is is giving money to orphanages and they don't exist. Next. See the difference? That's in four years. Next. Next. Our baby's orphanage, we remodeled it. Next. We have our own restaurant. Next. And our own bakery. Next. And our own grocery store. Our goal is to be totally self-sufficient in every country by earning the money through business and agriculture. Next. We have our own hardware store. Next. Next. We have our own hotel. So when missionaries come down, they stay right on campus. Next. 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 We remodeled our dining room. Next. And we have a kitchen we put in. They cooked outdoors for five years. Next. You can build a house down there. There's actually somebody from this area that built a house down there. Next. Next. Our house number three is being built in the property. We have our own retirement village we're starting. Next. There's no doctors, none, for 20,000 people. If people get sick, they die. So we open up a medical clinic. My wife's a doctor, and we open it up in March. Next. 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 So everything's actually set up now. We've got to get an updated picture. Next. We have our own soccer field with artificial turf. And so when I want to win, I play tackle football. <laughs> I want shake on my team. <laughs> Next. Everything is walled in. So if you go down there, it's kind of a you know, dangerous country. Everything's walled in, so we have guards and it's safe. Next. Here's our first hotel we built. We have 20 hotel rooms next. We invite every orphanage in Honduras to come for the day of play. So we put in a pool, and the kids come and have fun, and their little hearts get healed of all the abuse. And guess what? We don't charge anything for orphanages. Next. If you get hot, jump underneath the mushroom and be a fun guy. Next. We have our own juice bar. We, we rent out our facilities. That earns money to help the orphanages. Next. Next. We have our own farm. We bought 118 acres last year. Next. This little girl, Wendy, was four years old and weighed 10 pounds. My son weighed that at birth. She was dying of starvation. We got her. Now, next, seven years later, she's even got muscles. Some of you remember her if you went to Honduras. Next. Little Lixie was burned so bad by her mom, the doctor gave her one day to live. From her butt to her neck, burn marks up and down. Their mom used to put their heads in pails of water to get them to stop crying. She was almost dead. But next, she's alive with her twin sister. They're butterflies. Next. We took this little boy in, two months old. His mom and dad were alcoholics and used to beat him up. We took him in. His name is Tomas Stammen. I'm not sure where he got his name. Next. He graduated with honors. He's smart like his mother. <laughs> Thank you, God. Next. 
We have nine kindergartners that we've took custody of. We have 72 kids in that orphanage. Next. Diego, our first preacher. Next. And Adriana, she's the oldest child we have. She's 20, going on 21. And her mom's a prostitute. Her sisters are prostitutes. And she just finished second-year med student. She's now going to go for her third year next year. In Jesus' name, amen. We have... Uh, we feed 11 to 12,000 kids a month. We have 500 children in Christian schools that are bilingual. We have 200 orphans. And all the money given in our meetings goes to kids. My wife and I do not take a salary out of any of the money that comes in. So whatever you give today, it goes to the kids of the nations, not to my wife and I. We have two rentals that pay our bills. Thank you very much. And tonight's at 6 o'clock. Don't forget, Pastor Allen.